0: Uh, I have to say that I just felt like since we were bumping up against Valentine's Day, which is, guys, is this coming week if you don't know that, uh, and we finished the last series, I thought, you know what, we just need to do something a little special. So I thought, you know what, why don't we just lean into this whole idea of Valentine's Day uh and kind of do something a little special because it is a special time. So today I'll tell you, some of you already know, you saw when you came in, we did something in the lobby that's really just for you. We really don't usually do things like this because uh again, I typically think churches do it really poorly and I'm not going to do anything poorly. So I said if it's going to be done, it's going to be big, it's going to be bad and it's going to be good. And we want it to look good, and we want you to look good in it. So we've given you what they call a step back and repeat, which is kind of like they do on the, Golden, the Globes and the Academy Awards and that kind of thing where you can make a picture. Uh, again, what I want you to do is when you make a picture, uh, again, go out there. We'll have somebody out there who can use your camera. They'll take a picture for us. They'll use your camera to make a picture for you. But just make sure you kind of keep it tight so that you don't get the carpet or the, the walls. I mean, we've made it big enough so when you make the picture, uh, it should be just what we put up out there. So again, and when you do that, I want you to post that to social media, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or, or X or whatever it is that you use. And I want you to use a hashtag. Here's the hashtag I will put up on the screen. Get your camera ready so you can take a picture of the hashtag or write it down. The hashtag is actually this love sunday at crossroads the reason i want you to use the hashtag is because we all use a hashtag and we post it on our social media that means that when we click on the hashtag you'll be able to see everybody else's picture Uh, again so again if you use that hashtag it would be really helpful and then after you make a picture we have a little gift for the loves which kind of leans towards the women but women, I'm going to ask you, ladies, I'm going to ask you, if you will, uh, it's, it's something that you can share with your love or with your family or with your uh, children. Uh, I think I have come to the conclusion that we all have enough Jesus junk. Does, you know what I'm talking about when I say that? I mean, churches give stuff away a lot. Uh, and again, a lot of it kind of ends up in the junk drawer. So I thought, you know what? Let's don't give them more Jesus junk. Let's give them something they can eat. Let's give them something they can consume. So I'm telling you, it's edible and it's good. So take advantage when you leave. Probably leave out of that door back there uh, and then go through the lobby, have your picture taken, and then somebody who is one of our guest service team members or one of our volunteers will make sure that you uh, get the little gift that we want to give you today. You know, today is only the second Sunday in the second month of a new year. And I was thinking about this being Love Sunday and about the upcoming Valentine's Day. And I was actually drawn to something that Jesus said. Matthew 6, Again, this is kind of a paraphrase. I don't have the whole verse there. But I'm going to read it the way that I have it on the screen. Seek first the kingdom of God. And you know most of you will say, and his righteousness. You're right. Seek first the kingdom of God. And the rest will be added to you. Those are the words of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else will be added to you. And I look at the words of Jesus. And I look at this being the second Sunday of the second month of 2024. And it really begs me to ask you a question. And the question is this. What if we were to trust Jesus and seek the things that matter most? I mean, think about that. Simple question. What if we were to trust Jesus and seek the things that matter most in life? Because when I look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33, I, I kind of boil those things that matter most in life down to five things. These are my five things that I take out of Matthew 6, 33. Now, let me just tell you this. I may make a series out of this, but let me show you the five things that I think matter most in life. Transformation. Love, calling, joy, and generosity. Those are the five things that I think matter most. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. And look at my life, and the things that should matter most to me are transformation, love, calling, joy, and generosity. And again, I may make a series out of this, I I, I just don't know right now. Normally, I would talk about transformation first, but since today is Love Sunday and we're kind of leaning into the whole idea of Valentine's, I, I, I want to take today and talk about love, and, and I want to tell you this morning that when I'm talking about love, guys, I want you to understand you can, you can back on up, the men in the room. It's not that soupy kind of Valentine's love like buy flowers and give her gifts kind of love, although you should do that, but that's, that's not the love I'm talking about. That's the love that most people associate with Valentine's And and this kind of focus. But here's the thing today. I want to focus on a love that's found in the context of a community. Because that's what we are. We're a church and we are a community. So if you have your Bible this morning and you want to join me, turn to Acts chapter 4. And again, I know it's difficult to see in the audience. So if you want to bring a book light, if you want to use your phone, that's fine. Uh, That's where we're going to be going in just a few minutes. But before we go there, I've got a question. Do you have a task that you just hate to do in life? Come on now. Come on. Yes, everybody has a task that you hate to do. I mean, some of you, it's carrying out the garbage. Can I tell you what my task is? I hate going to the mailbox. My mail is received at a P.O. box. I used to love going to the post office. But too many people are making Lebanon their home now. And I can't pull up to the post office, leave my car running, get out in my night garb, you know, whatever I've got on, walk in and walk out without a thousand people being there. Honestly, I can't even get a parking place like I used to could. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's everywhere. But that's the task I hated. You know, I know some people, especially ladies in the room, you you hate filling up your car with gas. Am I right, ladies? Am I right? You just hate getting gas. And I know so many women who have made the task of getting gas in the car like a game. They go as long as they can. I mean, they go as long as they can with the light on, almost to the point that it, that, it, that it really has become a game. I'm going to see if I can actually coast into the gas station. And and then there are some people who who you know they like to to kind of fool their partner, their their husband, their spouse, and. They 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 say, "Hey, honey, why don't you drive my car today?" (laughs) You know, right? And they leave, and honey's got the car, and honey gets in the car, and the lights on. It's a great exercise in marriage development. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. The reason I bring this up is because I want you to know. Cars are not the only thing that need to be full. Cars are not the only things that have fuel tanks. People have fuel tanks. Every one of us have fuel tanks. Those that are watching online have fuel tanks. Everybody has a fuel tank. And that fuel tank is really in their inner being. It's in their spirit. And honestly, most of the time you can can read their gauges just by looking into their eyes. I mean, think about it. Some people are alive. Some people have a, have a, you look into their eyes and it's like the gauges of their fuel tank and you can see that they're alive because they have a fire in their eyes. Some people, you look into their eyes and they're just glazed over. You can look at some people and you can tell that, that what is going on in their life by their posture. Some people's posture is their shoulders are straight and they're, they're walking with their shoulders all squared back and straight. But then there are other people who are hunched over. Just look, look at how people are walking. Some people are marching because they have lots of energy. Then some people are dragging simply because the circumstances of life have got them down. You're just like me, you have a fuel tank. Every one of us has a fuel tank. I mean, some of those people, when you're with those other people that are friends of yours, they just fill your tank up because they're calling you out to be the best person that you can be. I mean, you get around some of your friends, and you you know how they are. They're just so energetic, so inspiring, that they just breathe life into you. And those are the very people that remind you just exactly how good God is. You get around them, they speak life into you, and it's like they just fill your tank up. They're the people that call you out to be the best person that you can be. And when you're with those people, you know what you find happening? Your anxiety goes down, and your hope, and your faith, and your trust goes up. But then we have those other people who are those people that when you're not looking, they stick a hose in your tank. And they take a deep breath and they start siphoning all the fuel out. Because they're the people that drain the life out of you. They just suck the life out of you. By the way that they talk, by the way that they live, by the way they carry on. Let me give you an example. There's a guy who was a hunter, an outdoorsman. I mean, all of us have that guy in their life. It's not me, okay? I'm just telling you. (laughs) It's not me. But we all know somebody who loves to go deer hunting, turkey hunting, rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting, bass fishing, trout fishing. I mean, we got those people in our life. And God bless those people because, I mean, they just make things happen. But they're always excited about the next season that's coming around. So this guy I'm talking about, he tells his friend about all the wonderful things that he li- likes to do outdoors in his life. And, and this friend that is hearing about this guy who loves to be out in the outdoors, he's not impressed. He's not impressed with this guy and all the things that he likes going uh, doing out in, in, in the outdoors. So one day, the guy who loves to go hunting and fishing and all those things... He gets a new hunting dog. Dog is amazing. Look, looks like this dog right here. That dog can pick up a scent miles away. I mean, that dog can do exactly what you see right there. He can point for an hour without moving an inch. So this guy who has the dog, who loves to go hunting and fishing and doing all the outdoor things, he decides, you know what, I'm going to invite my friend to go with me and go hunting. And I'm going to show him just how wonderful this dog is. Well, the friend's not impressed with the dog. But that's when the climactic event of this little escapade that they've gone on happens. See, they've gone duck hunting. And the man who's the duck hunter shoots a duck, and the duck that he shot lands in a pond of water. The man sends out the miraculous dog to get the duck. The dog actually walks so fast that he walks on top of the water, gets the duck, walks back across the water, and brings the duck to the man and puts it at his feet. The man turns to his friend, thinking that the man's going to be impressed with what the dog has just done because the dog just walked on the water. But the friend shakes his head and said, Oh, Your dog can't swim, can he? I mean, think about it, we all have those people. We all have those people in our lives that are joy, challenge, dream, squashing, fault, finding, slow air leaks in the hot air balloon of life. And we're to love those people. But we're also to guard our hearts. And I'm going to tell you, you need to be careful. Because while you may think that's not you, every one of us in this room, all of you watching online, we all have a little bit of that in us. We have the potential to be this life drainer for the people that God has entrusted to us. So it kind of made me think of a word. And the word is encouragement. And when you think about the word encouragement, you have to understand encouragement, that word is actually the language of the New Testament. You see, the words to encourage are actually used more than 100 times in the New Testament. It's the language of the New Testament. And one of the great characters of the entire Bible is a guy by the name of Barnabas. And it's in the book of Acts that we find out the most about him. And again, I I want to be honest with you this morning. When I I think about the person that I want to be, the person I most want to be like, I'm going to put Barnabas right up there at the top. And I think you'll do the same once you look at this story. Let me put a statement up that I think is going to get us started. And, And the statement goes like this. There are people who participate in community, and then there are people who create community. Two different people. There are people that who, who, who actually participate in community, and there are also people who create community. Keep that in your mind as we actually look at the book of Acts, because the first time that we meet Barnabas is in actually in the fourth chapter of Acts, And and as we meet him in Acts chapter 4, here's the very thing that I want to start out with. Because this is something that we're going to see in his life. This is the point I'm trying to make. Look look at the screen. Generous living creates community. Look at verse 36 of Acts chapter 4. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field that he owned And he brought up the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas sells a field, and he brings the money, and he puts the the, the money at the apostles' feet. Now, the interesting thing that you need to know about Barnabas is that Barnabas was not a natural-born Israelite. He was from Cyprus, not somebody born in Israel. He's what would be called a Hellenist. Hellenists were Israelites who were born overseas. Hellenists by the native Israelites were regarded as foreigners. They did not speak Aramaic, which native-born Israelites did. And these Hellenists were considered to have picked up kind of these defiled, foreign, Gentile ways. And we know that from Acts chapter 6 that There was a lot of hostility between the native-born Israelites and the Hellenists. There was so much tension between them that when you kind of look at the bigger picture that somebody who was not born in Israel like Barnabas, he would not have been allowed to serve in the temple like a native-born Israelite would have been allowed to serve. He just couldn't do it. So with that being the case, you might think that he had a chip on his shoulder or he might have been a little sour about it, but he's not. Because in what we just read a moment ago, Barnabas, what does he do? He sees a need. He sees poverty. And he says, I have some property. I could just sell my property and I could help some people out. Now think about that. There there is an expression, we're talking about love today. There is an expression of love, an expression of encouragement when someone takes the time to simply give. It's an expression of love. It's an expression of encouragement. And, and, And the more I thought about this, this is really one of those areas in my life where I could say to you, you know, I could use a little growth right here. Because in the context of love, I need to be more generous. I need to be more generous with the people that God has placed in my life. And again, I may talk more in depth about this if I create a series out of those five things. I'm not sure whether I'm going to do that or not, but I'll, I'll talk deeper about that. But specifically, I need to be more generous with my time and attention. And the reason I could say that is because the people who are close to me know this. Because there are times that I can be stingy with my time and with my attention. I'm the guy when people are invited to my house and I'm ready for you to go home. I make subtle hints. <laughs> I, I, I'm honest. That's my kids. turn off the internet, change the password, (laughs) flip the lights, have company and go on to bed and just leave them there. You know, I mean, you kind of know that it's time for you to go home. You see, if you want to be more loving this year, if you want to be a more loving person this year, if you want to build life into people, then you're going to have to learn to be more generous with your time and your money and your stuff. Let me, let me, let me just stop here. I, I want to stop here. Most, most of you know that, that that back in November, I came to you. And if you're visiting with us today, you're going to, you're going to love this because you get a get-out-of-church-free get card. But back in November, we discovered that we had two 25-ton heating air units that were toast. They had served us well and gone on and crossed the Rainbow Bridge or whatever you want to call it. They were done. They were finished. We didn't know it. We didn't expect it. So we got some, some uh, estimates on what it was going to cost to replace those, and it was like over $100,000. So I came to the two services early in the month of November, and I said, you know what? Guys, we've got to raise $100,000 minimum. And I said, here's what that looks like. That's 10 people giving $10,000. And immediately somebody just busted out laughing in this service. It's 10 people giving $10,000 or it's 20 people giving 5000 or it's 100 people giving 1000 But I, I said, just pray and ask God and see what God would have you to give. And we started raising that money. Can I just tell you that, that very first Sunday, the, it, it just makes me, let me tell you, can you just laugh at God all you want? Because that Sunday before we got out of here, two people gave me $10,000. Laugh at him all you want. But we started raising the money. And by faith, I ordered those two units knowing we didn't have the money to pay for them. But we needed $100,000. Need $100, so in November, I started raising that money. And you start, some of you started giving. You know what's really interesting is we reach several hundred people every week online. And we had this large contingent of people, especially concentrated in Texas. God bless Texas. <laughs> who gave. I'm not talking about little money. I'm talking about little money, medium-sized money, and big money. People who will never enter the doors of this church, who don't know you, from Joe's house cat that was for you Carol (laughs) but they gave now that was in November and in December early in December see I don't tell you everything because you don't need to know everything but I'll tell you everything you need to know but early in December God put it on my heart when I was talking to a good friend of mine probably my best friend I just really felt in the conversation with this individual that, you know, what we needed as a church to step out in faith and help 10 families during Christmas. So I have a good friend locally who does not go to this church, but who has their pulse on the needs of people in and around our community, and I said, hey, would you help me vet some people? You know what I mean, vet, you know what I mean, You know, make sure they needed the stuff, because I'm telling you that... There's a circuit that goes around church to church trying to get, you know, get money. I mean, they they just do. It's sad, but it's true. So this individual started helping me put these families together, descriptions, what they needed, and I started writing checks with money we didn't have, with money that you had actually given, that's why I don't tell you everything, to pay for those air conditioning units. But God, I felt God spoke to me. I know that sounds weird to some people, but I felt God spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to do. Ten families in and around our community, most of them with dire needs. So I started writing checks. The bill for the two air conditioning units was actually due on December the 21st. I think that was right. Now let me tell you how this happens. On December the 21st, I come over here to meet the person who's helping me vet those families to give her the final check for the families that we were helping during Christmas. Ten families. Most of them like single moms, that kind of thing. Not all of them, but most of them. I meet her here. At the very same time I'm meeting her here, the guy who put in the two air conditioning units shows up to get his check. I'm writing checks for money that we don't have. Now, let me tell you, we we had the money, but it was operational money that we had to move over to cover those checks. So I'm meeting that guy. I'm meeting that other person who helped me me vet those families. And then all of a sudden, I'm telling you, I got this phone call out of nowhere. And it said, where are you? I said, I'm at the church. I'll be there in just a minute. Now, this person who called me did not know where I was at, nor what I was doing. But I was here giving the checks to help the families, giving food boxes to help those families, in addition to the checks that we had written to buy the things that those families needed for Christmas. And this other call comes in. I handed the check to the lady who was helping me with those families. I handed the check to the guy for the air conditioning units. And so help me. The other individual drives up and gets out. I have no idea what they want. And we kind of started up a conversation. It's somebody that I know. And they reach in their pocket and pull out an envelope, and I said, "What?" And they said, uh, "Well, you know, you, ha- you said we had a need, and here's here's what what I want to do." And I opened up that. I said, "Can I open it right here?" Because I know what has just happened. This guy, this person, has no idea what's happened. We've written checks for things we can't pay for. And in that envelope was the biggest check that we received in November and December. Just as in faith I had given what you had given away, God sent something bigger than what I had given away. And here's what you need to know. We bought two units, helped ten families, Sent one student on a mission trip. We collected enough money. Now don't don't y- rip roaring hoo-ha yet. Yee-haw! I shouldn't say hoo-ha, but anyway, yee-haw. Uh, mm. But anyway, uh, some of you get that later. <laughs> but anyway, uh only at crossroads, right? So anyway, uh, but from December, from November to December to early January, we raised. And what I want you to know is right now I have enough money set aside that I can pay off that new soundboard that we bought. I haven't done that yet because, again, we've kind of struggled, and I knew that would happen in January and February. It's always tough. And we missed two Sundays, so we're about $30,000 behind in giving. But uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to hold this over here. But again, God is good. And he did it through you and through countless people who watch us online. And see, here's the thing I want to tell you. Some of you already know that joy. Some of you know the joy of giving like Barnabas. The joy of thinking, I've got something And you know what? I can just give it away. Let me tell you another thing that I think is important, and we see it in the life of Barnabas. Believing that people can change creates community. See, here's what happens. What's interesting is after Barnabas gives away, he disappears. We don't find him again until Acts chapter 9. There was a guy named Saul who would later become Paul. I'm going to refer to him as Paul from now on. Saul would become Paul, and Paul has been, or Saul has been terrorizing the followers of Jesus. Look at what it says he'd been doing. Here's what it says, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says that he had been breathing out murderous threats, finding men and women, and taking them to prisoners. Saul meets Jesus. Saul becomes Paul. It's a pretty dramatic story. Saul repents and becomes Paul and trust Jesus. He believes in Jesus. But then he has a problem. When he comes to Jerusalem, he tries to join the church. But they're afraid of him. They're they're afraid that he's not really a disciple because he's murdered their best friend, Stephen. And not only that, he's threatened, prosecuted, imprisoned, and killed husbands, brothers, and sisters, and wives of the people in Jerusalem. So how could they know that the whole conversion to Christianity, to Jesus, accepting Jesus as his Lord and Savior, was just a, just a made-up story? I mean, these people in Jerusalem are dumb, so they won't touch Paul with a 10-foot pole. So they do what I did. They ask Barnabas to go out and vet Paul, to check out Paul. Because, you see, here's the deal with people who understand that kind of love that kind of love that can create community. They're the people who are willing to give an incredible gift. And that gift is that they believe that with God's help, you can change. They believe that with God's help, you can change. These are the kind of people who do not believe that what you, are. or they, they believe that what you did yesterday or what you're doing today uh, is going to limit who you can be tomorrow or the next day. They don't look at your past and say you can't have a future. It's a fabulous gift, and it's the gift that Paul had because Barnabas was willing to take a risk on Paul. He becomes his friend. He gets to know him because Barnabas is inclined to, to believe the best and to see the best in Paul and to call the best out in Paul. So Barnabas goes to the other people who were scared of Paul and he says, this guy Saul, this guy Paul, look at his life, look at the change in his life. Look at what's happened between him and God. And simply because Barnabas went out on a limb, look at what it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 28. It says, because of Barnabas going out and taking Paul in, Saul, it says that Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Now think about this. Because of Barnabas, because of Barnabas seeing the best and believing the best in this guy Saul who became Paul, Paul would become the greatest missionary to the Gentiles and to the rest of the world. Paul's the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament. And all of that would happen because of Barnabas. This kind of love that we're talking about. Is the love that allows you to see other things that nobody else can see. Honestly, you can see things in people that they can't even see for themselves. Now think about Paul and his past and his background and all of that. And let me ask you a question. Who in your life do you need to give the wonderful gift of starting over? Who have you cut off at the knees? Who in your life do you need to give the wonderful gift of starting over? Because we all have somebody. Most of us have more than somebody. We have multiple somebodies that we need to give the gift of grace, and we need to give the gift of starting over. So who is it for you? Here's a third thing that I see in the life of Barnabas. When you put other people first, it creates community. When you put other people's first, other people first, it creates community. I mean, think about it. Barnabas says to Paul, "Let's go do ministry together," and they take off. And because they take off and they do ministry together, interesting things happen. Now, I, I want to stop right here, and I want to say this: in the ancient world, in that culture it's pretty significant that when you look at people who are doing things in ministry or uh, events that are happening, it's always nice to look at the way the names of what people are doing are recorded because it's important. Because the order in which the names are written down, from that culture, it would speak to who's in charge as to who was the boss, as to who got the prestige of the mission that the people were on. The first person would be the person in charge, the person to get the credit, the person to get all the accolades. And that's exactly what we see in Acts. For a whole year, it was Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul taught great numbers of people. Barnabas was the leader. Look at verse 30 of chapter 11. It says that the followers of Jesus outside of Jerusalem sent their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Paul. In Antioch, the Holy Spirit instructed the church leaders, look at verse 2 of chapter 13, to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. But then something starts to happen in this process. Paul's gifts start to flourish as he follows Jesus. His maturity starts to blossom. Then in Acts chapter 14, here's what it says. At Iconum, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. Leave that up there, Jay. Do you see it? Barnabas and Paul Paul and Barnabas. It switched. Now it's Paul who's mentioned first. And from a human standpoint, you know what? We go, wait, well, wait, 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 wait. Barnabas did not manage his career very well. That's a human standpoint. We look at this and we say, oh man, Barnabas has screwed it up. He is, he, I mean, he has messed it up. Maybe Barnabas didn't position himself properly. Because the mission was a huge success, so he should make sure that he's getting the credit that he deserves. But instead, you know what he does? He rejoices in the fact that he's not getting the credit that he deserves. Because his joy is recognizing and developing greatness in somebody else. And now, Paul's ministry would be way more visible than his own the paul the ministry of paul eclipses the ministry of barnabas and nobody rejoices in that more than barnabas because think about it isn't that what greatness really is i mean ultimately isn't that what joy really is Greatness and joy is not about clawing your way to the top of the game for recognition and money. But it's really about celebrating the success of other people. I mean, think about it. Can you celebrate the people around you? Can you? When somebody does better than you do, do you have to tear them down? Can you celebrate the people around you? Or do you have to tear them down every time something good happens to them? Because, see, lots of times for us, when somebody's doing better than us, that's when we play the fairness card. You know what I'm talking about? The fairness card? It's not fair. It's not fair because my husband works just as hard as her husband. It's not fair because my kids study just as hard as their kids. It's not fair because we've been in this community longer than they have. It's not fair that she looks like that because I work harder than she does. It's not fair because I've worked here longer than he has. See, if you want to be somebody who creates community who loves people in a way that builds life into them, then you've got to learn to celebrate other people and to celebrate their wins. It's the stuff that's all over the New Testament. And it's like it comes in three words. Encourage one another. Look at Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another. Encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because when we're not encouraged, you know what happens? Sin starts to look good. And when sin sin starts to look good, look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. See, that's something you can do this week. Look at that verse. That's something you can do this week. You can encourage somebody. You can build somebody up this week. You can do it in your family. You can do it at work. You can actually do it in your community group if you're in a community group. You can encourage and build people up. See, I've said it many times that the goal of this church, it's never been to get people here on Sunday morning to line up in rows. The actual goal of this church when we started years ago was to get people to circle up during the week and do life together, study together, build community together, serve together, love together, encourage together, do life together. That's the church. Because as the church gets bigger, church actually needs to get smaller you need a place like I need a place where you can be real and you can be honest or you can sit with a group of people and you can just admit you know what our marriage is not as healthy as it looks my faith is not as strong as you might think it is I'm struggling and I need some encouragement. I need some accountability. Listen, you will not get out of life all that God wants you to get by listening to me or anybody on Sunday morning. You will not become the person that God created you to be by just listening to me. Because at some point you have to step out and make a commitment to engage with other people to be part of the church that's, that's doing life together with other people and you know can I just be honest with you I'm sometimes too honest I know we've not done a good job at this getting people in groups some of you have signed up we ain't got you plugged in yet because we need somebody to lead groups. We need some of you who are in groups to step out of those groups and commit to leading a group so that we can multiply the process. You want to know why these sh- seats next to you are empty? Because people are not connecting. And I'll tell you, and I'm going to get in your face a little bit, they're not connected because some of you are not being obedient in what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do, and that's to lead a group. Let me tell you, you don't have to know the Bible. You just have to be open and willing to lead a group of people. We'll train you. We'll help you. We have curriculum. We have all the things that you need. We'll encourage you. We'll equip you. You don't have to know all 66 books of the Bible. You just have to be willing and open and honest to the leading of the Holy Spirit, saying, you know what, I'm going to make myself available to lead a group of men, a group of women, a group of couples in some stage and season of life because you want this church to fill up and you want this church to go bigger and get smaller at the same time, get out of your seat and lead a group. You're going to hear a lot about this in the next three or four months because let me tell you, I will be accountable to you. I have personally failed at this as your leader and I've said it before. So you're going to hear a lot about it. I'm going to keep pushing you and pushing you and pushing you. And you know what? If it pushes you out the door, so be it. Because you're missing out on being the person that God's called you to be. If you don't do life with other people. We're going to have fun on Sunday morning. We're going to do encouraging things. We're going to let the Holy Spirit speak to us and guide us. But again, it's about doing life with other people. I know there are four or five group leaders in here right now. Anthony's here. Janet's here. Carol's here. Carol's here. Uh, I don't know who else is in here. Those are the ones that I saw that lead groups right now. We need three times the groups that we have. And I'm going to guarantee you, when people get invested in a group, this church will start to multiply, and this church will be the church that God has called it to be. Because you know, when I look at 2024, I'm grateful for the friends that God has placed in my life. And I am more committed than ever for those friendships that I have with some of you and some outside of here, for those not to be just superficial relationships. But those are relationships where I want to go deep with people. I want to breathe life into them. And I want to do it by being generous with them. I want to do it by seeing things in them that they can't even see for themselves. do it by celebrating their successes and sometimes that can be difficult with all of us but I'm just telling you if you'll just be very forthright and celebrate people who are doing great things God will do amazing things in your life get yourself out of the way and let God do what he's called you to do let's pray God, we thank you so much for this amazing church, for this story in Scripture, the story of Barnabas, the story of love, not a Valentine's Day kind of love, but a a love that sees and wants and knows the best for other people. That's the people that we want to be, those people of love. We want to have fun. We want to do some exciting things, but God, we want to be known for love, the love that you've given us, that channels through us, and that reaches out to other people in our community, in our church. Let us be the vessels that you've called us to be. It's only through your power, it's only through your guidance, that we can continue to follow you, God. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit before us and behind us let your hand rest on us as we follow you and we ask this prayer in Jesus name